On today's episode, I am joined by a world-renowned cult expert, Dr. Stephen Hassan. As a young college student in the 1970s, Dr. Hassan fell under the influence of the infamous Mooney's cult. But after two years, he managed to escape and has dedicated the last 45 years developing groundbreaking research on how to undo influence and combat cult indoctrination. You're gonna wanna buckle up for this one, guys. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Stephen Hassan, and this is Uncovering the Truth. Dr. Stephen Hassan, thank you so much. I'm very excited to have you on board today. Yeah, thanks, Dash, for inviting me. Absolutely. Let, you know, let's just get right into it. One of the big things about your podcast, the influence continuum, that I took away a greater theme that you want people to, to maybe perhaps stop labeling the victims of these cults or these cult-like figures as you know, weak, dumb, and stupid because that underestimates the, the intentionality and the strategies and the, the talent of these cult leaders, whether it's the Moonies, the Elron Hubbards, the, the Jim Joneses, or the far-right churches in America. I was just curious, you know, what are some of the perhaps most influential strategies that you see across the board? Well, let me let me uh, take a moment, if I may, and just explain that uh, our models that were taught about the human mind and about influence are really out of date. Uh, social psychology has continued to develop uh, science to understand unconscious biases, for example. And one of the most important biases is known as the fundamental attribution error. It's a, a bunch of words, but basically what it means is around the world when people are trying to understand other people's behavior, they have a bias to overestimate personality variables or dispositional variables and to underestimate social environmental uh, variables or context. In other words, people are walking around thinking they're invulnerable to influence. And mm -hmm. it's the opposite of how the human mind works. Like we're constantly taking in information and a lot of it is bypassing our critical frontal cortex, which is slow. You know, uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Nobel Prize winning book, Thinking Fast and Slow by Kahneman. Uh, it got a Nobel Prize under behavioral economics, but he was basically a psychologist. And what he was saying is, we have a fast brain and a slow brain. The fast brain is our unconscious heuristics that are making snap judgments about people and situations. The slow part of our brain is our analytic mind that looks at data and analyzes and tries to understand you know, uh, what's um, unique about a situation, etc. So wow. what I've learned after getting deprogrammed from the Moonies cult in 1976, when I felt ashamed and embarrassed that I could have, be, you know, become part of this right-wing fascist cult that wanted to destroy democracy. And literally, I believe democracy was satanic and we had to infiltrate the mm -hmm. government and take it over. When I, when I got past my shame and embarrassment by reading psychology and social psychology and studying the works of former military intelligence people who had studied Chinese communist brainwashing, I sought a number of these folks out and they basically listened to me describe how I was recruited and how I went on to recruit and indoctrinate other people. And they just spontaneously, like Robert Lifton, looked me in the eye. He said, you know, I've just studied it secondhand, but you've lived it. They did it to you and you did it to other people. And what you're describing is so much more sophisticated than what we studied. You should study psychology and explain it to people like us. And for me, at the time, I was 22 years old, a college dropout, because I had met the Moonies. I had a cast on my leg from my toes to my groin. And this Yale psychiatrist was saying, I have something of value 
And it was like, whoa, maybe I can do something with this experience, the old make lemonade out of lemons, right? <laughs> so I had no idea I'd spend 46 years full time doing this work. But along the journey, uh, Jonestown happened and I had never heard of the People's Temple. But when I saw over 300 children murdered by their own parents, mm. you know, face down on the jungle floor, I thought I would have done that. If Moon had ordered us to, to do that, I would have killed myself or killed other people without doubt, without hesitation. So my work started expanding and then I started to realize what I really liked was helping people. And so I was initially asked to deprogram people from the Moonies and that was still very dicey because some of the cases were legal and conservatorship cases and others were, you know, basically luring someone to their uncle or aunt's house and hiring security guards to keep <laughs> the member from running away. I never kidnapped anyone or I never <laughs> personally held people, but I understood that how programmed people were out of fear that if they question the group or they think about leaving the group, they believe they're going to be possessed by demons. Mm -hmm. And um, and basically, after a year of that, I was like, I'm going back to college, you know, and I don't want to do anything that's illegal. But I still had a heart to wanting to help other people. So I wound up falling in love, getting married, getting a master's and became a mental health professional. And so the journey kept evolving and the latest version of my journey uh, started about seven years or eight years ago where I realized after all these years of activism, nothing was changing. And if anything, things were getting worse. There were more and more mind control cults. And I realized that the law itself was out of date and needed to have a frame to understand and how to evaluate undue influence because the law automatically says if you're a minor, that's undue influence if an older person uh, sexually exploits or abuses or labor traffics, or if you're older and have dementia or Alzheimer's, then you can be vulnerable to undue influence. But there was this whole everything in between and I was 19 and I was pretty smart skipped eighth grade, wow. was writing poetry, you know, I, I was, I had a self, I wasn't looking to change religions or join a fascist group. My girlfriend had dumped me and, and cute women flirted with me at Queens College. Is that how they, is that how they got you in? Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's a very common technique with mind control cults of all kind mm -hmm. is the sexual seduction maneuver where you think somebody is in love with you or somebody's really attracted to you but it's just a technique to get your foot in the door to you know inveigle you and then incrementally uh spoon feed you what they think you're willing to swallow and um and honestly what's happening today in 2022 right. is we have a virtual environment and the pandemic just made things on uh, on steroids in a sense mm -hmm. where people are being um addicted intentionally by social media platforms because they want attention and they want to sell advertising and they can make more money by measuring how long you're on their platform so there's this whole thing and i want to just cite the social dilemma documentary and oh. the work of tristan harris and the center for humane technology which is really important because we need regulations of our platforms and to protect our data because now it's become AI. Like they've, they have 5,000 data points on every voting American. They know what you like to eat, where you vote, you know, what sports you like, what you don't like. And mm -hmm. they have AI profiles on all of these Americans. And then there are companies like this Christian cult in Colorado called Glue, G-L-O-O, -O, that will sell your data to cults. 
Christian, to, wait, 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 it's a specifically a Christian company doing this. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so religion has There's a Christian nationalism, dominionism thing going on. That's one of my theses in the book, the cult of Trump is that there are actual cults and the members of the cults are following their leader who are telling them we have to follow Trump because God wants Trump to be president. Well, that resonates with me because when I was in the Moonies in 1974, mm -hmm. and I had hated Richard Nixon before, wow. the Moonies, when Moon said, we're going to go to the Capitol and fast for three days because God wants Nixon to be president during, you know, because of Watergate, we, sh we can't allow him to lose power. Mm -hmm. I was there fasting for Nixon and I hated his guts. So the, the point is, is that the evolution through technology, things have, are speeding up and we're really in a battle for human rights. Authoritarians yeah. want to take over the world. They want to keep us dependent on fossil fuels, for example, the Cokes and the Saudis and the Putins. Um, so they don't give a shit about, you know, next generation, three generations, seven generations from now. What do they care? They're malignant narcissists. They have no empathy. They just want money and power and sex. And sex. Well, that's very interesting to, to bring up just the, the fact that social media, because I had always thought of social, because I'm, you know, obviously a younger, a younger generation growing up on social media. I didn't realize how addicted I was to social media itself. It's not just the information that we're addicted to, but it's the feeling of the red numbers and the likes. And even if you're not a content creator, you are, you are taking in so much information. And I remember in the cult of Trump, in your book, you talked about how news stations like the Fox News, they keep the strip on the bottom with constant you know, breaking news, this breaking news, that coronavirus is fake. Bill Gates did this. George Soros, like they are. It is a slow indoctrination process that they are tapping into some psychological elements within us. So I'm just curious, do you think it's easier now on, in this new era for us to be sort of brainwashed or Definitely. is it? Even without it, even if without someone like an L. Ron Hubbard being. Absolutely. In, it's yeah. happening. And uh, but the good news is that people don't want to be exploited and abused and enslaved. And so with a very little amount of preventive education, like understanding the how to identify a malignant narcissist, for example, people can be protected from 80 to 90 percent of predators, for example, or to just learn how to be a good consumer and not just accept information that's coming in your feed, but actually find out, is this verified before you like it or share it? Uh, especially if the information is, is what's called confirmation bias, where you already believe it, something comes your way, it's echoing your belief, sure, I'll share it, but it may be disinformation, and you have to be very careful and responsible about that. Well, because it's very hard to disseminate what is fact or fiction. And there is, like you said, there's no law to regulate social media right now. So it's kind of protected by freedom of speech. But, you know, that that brings me into my sort of my next sort of topic, because you did you brought up you brought up a figure like Tony Robbins, who I used to listen to. And I used to listen to all of these self-help gurus like 24 uh, seven. It would, it would make me feel so great. But then when I wasn't listening to them, I would feel a drop. So I felt compelled to this sort of, I guess you would call it good. Is there such thing as good influence? But definitely. But also it feels a little toxic at the same time to me that you shouldn't be so dependent on one other man's, you know, sermons. Almost. It's almost like a religion to me. And what's the difference? Right. Right. So I call my podcast the influence continuum because there's a continuum from ethical to unethical influence. And one can download a PDF of my, my graphic on freedomofmind.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are real distinctions like informed consent. You should know upfront who is the leader, what is the doctrine and what's expected of you. 
And with someone like Tony Robbins, they often do freebies at first, and then they want you to buy this seminar and the next seminar and the next seminar, and then his books, then his audio tapes, and on and on and on. You never graduate because he's developing content until you realize he stole most of his stuff from Neuro Linguistic Programming, or NLP, and that was based on the work of a psychiatrist, Milton Erickson, who developed a process-oriented approach to hypnosis. But he was a mental health professional, and he was sworn to an oath to do no harm. Would please talk to the neuro-linguistic programming. I thought that was fair. And are you talking about, Mil is this the part of the Milton experiments that you Mil mentioned in your book? M Milton Erickson. Uh, uh, so... All I can tell you is that when I first got out of the Moonies, I consumed endless books and articles on persuasion and attitude change and social psychology stuff. And there was a missing link. And it was in 1980 that a social worker friend of mine said, hey, I'm going to a workshop about hypnosis. You want to come along? And I was like, hypnosis, hmm, that's an, something I haven't checked out. So I agreed to go with her, but I was also like very scared because I had not been to a workshop uh, since the Moonies cult. So I was kind of pacing back and forth in the back of the room. But I was watching one of the co-founders uh, manipulate someone on stage. And it was like the lights were going off in my head of, we used to do that in the Moonies. We used to do that in the Moonies. We used to do that in the Moonies. So I got very into NLP in 80 and 81. I was trained as a practitioner, master practitioner, trainer. And then I, and I even moved to Santa Cruz. Uh, John Grinder, one of the founders, asked me to be an apprentice to him uh, and groom me. And I realized, you know, this whole thing is really dangerous. There's no ethics in this system. It's do what works. And if you're an ethical person, then of course you would never do anything to someone else that you wouldn't want them to do to you. But if you're an unethical person and you like that person, you want to have sex with them, you know they'll never have sex with you, and you want to have sex with them, then you can do all kinds of hypnotic manipulations that get them in the sack with you. And when I realized oh, that, I was like, I'm out of here. I want nothing to do with this anymore. <laughs> but just real quick, uh, so what is exactly neuro-linguistic programming? Is that part of the, uh, the repetition of words? Is that a part of the, or am I? It's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's propaganda it, or? It's really a system of modeling, because the founders of it modeled Erickson, who was having these phenomenally positive re re um, responses from clients who no one else could help. And they wanted to figure out how did he do what he did. And so they, they formularized things like we have five senses, and so he, they call them representational systems, mm -hmm. you know, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. So they say we each have a model of reality and that when you're talking to another person, you need to dial into their model of reality in order to be effective. So then you get trained how to watch all their nonverbals, you watch their breathing, you listen to the words, choices they use, and you use it back on them to mirror mm -hmm. to them so they feel really comfortable, like, wow, I feel like I've known you my whole life. And the answer is, that's because you're, you're reading your own behavior from the person. But it lets your guard down to a large extent, and it goes from there. And again, if it's used by a therapist to help people overcome smoking, cigarettes, or some other addiction, it's great. And if it's being used to sell you a car you don't can't afford, it's not great. And what I'm seeing now is just a lot of individuals, men and women, who are falling victim to another single person, what we call one-on-one -on -one cults, 
Um, and that person then isolates them from their family and friends, takes over uh, their passwords to all their accounts, uh, gets their money, and just has a slave for you know to serve them. And I'm doing lots of cases like that because there's no regulation against it. It's no. not a crime to, to mind control a person in the United States. <laughs> Clearly it's not because now I believe there is about 75, I'm just 75 million who are currently under severe, you know, mental control by, by one man. And so that is for me, let, let me just really quickly, I actually, I experienced what, something in your book that was so interesting to me was you talked about a young man who was brought into a transcendental meditation cult. Now this hap this happened to me when I was 18 years old. The Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the guru yeah. of the Beatles. Yes, exactly. He uh -huh. lit a, I paid him about $800. I signed a contract saying I can't disclose what happens in here. We meditated for four hours. He got me off of caffeine. I started losing sleep. Somehow I pulled out of all of this and I had cut off my parents, I had cut off my friends. I changed my phone number. So th this is long ago. I'm, I'm back to normal now, I believe. Right. But I was in a state of anger. And, and what was, what's, how this relates to the Trump movement right now is that anybody who, who said something that, that I disagreed with, it reinforced my belief that, oh, this man, this, this meditator who I'm listening to is right my whole old self got me to where I was in a bad place. And now I need to break down my old self to reinvent myself in this new vision. So, right. so speaking on a more national scale, when Donald Trump began his campaign saying that the, the media is fake news, don't believe it. There's nothing you can say to a Trump supporter now that wouldn't just reinforce their love for Donald Trump there. How do you break through on a national scale to, to tell them, Hey, you guys have been lied to. Yeah, so that's the uh, big quest, how to scale what I know and what I do on an individual basis with family and friends uh, to uh, a worldwide level. A um, couple of important things to understand, and that is that mind control is best understood as a dissociative disorder. And what that means, and I'll use myself as an example, Steve Hassan of Flushing, Queens, New York, who wrote poetry, played basketball, and liked girls, got then into the Moonies, and then Moon and his wife were my true parents, and my past life was evil and satanic. Mm -hmm. And then I had a near-fatal van crash, and I agreed to talk with the ex-members just to prove to my family I wasn't brainwashed, and I wasn't in a cult, so I agreed. And then I learned about Chinese communist brainwashing, and I was interacting with former members who were out of the group and happy and fulfilled. And my mind started to open up at the point that I realized Moon wasn't the messiah. Wow. You know, and the whole system breaks down. If he's not sinless and he's not the Messiah, then why am I following him blindly? Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> ha having laid that as a foundation, what's happened, what happens typically when someone gets into a mind control cult is they either become very secretive and you have no idea what they're up to anymore. They kind of disappear or they become zealous recruiters and try to get you into the cult too. Mm. And that's mostly what's been happening with the cult of Trump is people have been zealously saying QAnon or the media is the enemy of the people. And there, I have a model I call the bite model of mind control that describes B as the behavior control techniques, information control techniques, thought control techniques and emotional control techniques. So I have a list of different variables. I think I may have a, a thing to hold up if I can find yeah. it. Bite. But it's on my website. Like there's a list like sleep deprivation, manipulating, you know, clothing and food and this and mm -hmm. that. 
So you can go through and self-diagnose whether yeah. or not you're in a, by looking at the influence continuum, because the more B-I-T-E variables, the more authoritarian or undue influence it is. Mm -hmm. Now back to your question. So what happens typically when somebody gets into a cult, they're like, dude, do the research. There's a pedophile trafficking ring and only Donald Trump's going to help you. Most mm -hmm. friends and relatives are like, what the F? Like, you're making no sense. Where's the proof? And do the research. The research. Look at this video, this video, this video, this video, this video, this video, this video. And, and people are like, I can't take this anymore. Bye. <laughs> and they'll often even get to the point of blocking or muting a best friend or a brother or a sister, an aunt, an uncle, or a parent, which is only helping the mind controllers have more control over the person you care about, right? Because yeah. as you were saying, the more people attack the leader, the doctrine, or the policy, the more you double down in your cult identity that you're being persecuted yes, and you do more thought stopping or you have more phobias that are being activated. So what I've done in my four books is I've tried to like demystify the whole thing, use stories and examples of lots of different types of uh, authoritarian cults. And essentially the most powerful technique to help a person is interacting with them with respect and curiosity and asking them questions and then being patient and waiting for an answer and then following up with a question so and and taking the frame of hey dash i'm going to use you for a minute Dash, yeah. you're a smart guy you know if you if what you believe is really the truth then i need to believe it too dash please explain to me go back in time before you met tm <laughs> and yes. explain what happened and what made you take it seriously and what made you get to the point of giving $800 and, and helping people have a perspective on what the process was that is B-I-T-E that was breaking you down and disorienting you and confusing you and then building you up and indoctrinating you into the cult identity. Wow. So what i'm saying on a scalable level so there's many things uh that can be done and should be done and i wish i had the funds to afford to hire the team to implement it but it <laughs> is doable yeah. it's just i haven't partnered with the right people i i'm doing a million interviews but you never know who's listening to this one and that's why i agreed to do it on a saturday um it's awesome. Yeah, well, we've got a lot of people interested in, in what you have to say. Yeah, so if you have young activists, it's yeah. like you can learn this stuff. It will not only help you protect yourself and your loved ones, but you can actually start this process of getting people to step back and reality test. And, and on, so on many levels. So one thing I'm trying to do with a bunch of my colleagues and friends is do a hashtag movement, I got out. And the idea is to do a version of me too. Like, yeah, yeah I got abused as a kid and to normalize it and destigmatize it and say it's, it's happening everywhere, right? So if mm -hmm. someone is in an MLM cult, a multi-level marketing, you know, you can make a million dollars, share that story. If you were with a controlling boss in a, in a corporation, share that story or whatever. So if we can destigmatize it and, and we can create a, a, an understanding, and that's why I did my doctoral work on this, how the law can discern undue influence, if we can get an, enough critical mass of people talking about their stories, mm -hmm. um, what, what winds up happening is because you're not attacking the person straight on with their beliefs, you're sharing mind control about this group over here or that group over there, they're not going to do the thought stopping. They'll be curious. And I can tell you with MAGA believers, the two things that work the best are Chinese communist brainwashing techniques, which is being done right now 
on over a million Uyghur Muslims, but yeah. lots of other dissidents. So people who are MAGA people will listen if you talk about, hey, have you ever studied the work yeah. that Chinese communist experts, you know, brainwashing experts wrote books on this, like Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism or Coercive Persuasion, etc. The other thing that I find effective is talking about pimps and traffickers, right? Because mm. they, they, the people in the QAnon, and by the way, that's now being called ultra MAGA. They're not yeah. calling it QAnon anymore. So if you're on social media in Twitter and you see an ultra MAGA in somebody's description, you know that's who you're QAnon. talking to. Used to be QAnon. Wow. In any case, the, 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 the whole idea is to kind of get behind the programming to the person's real self and get them to reality test whether these beliefs hold water, if there's actual evidence or not. Mm -hmm. But it can only be done with a frame where you're respecting the person and, and finding commonalities with them. Like you want to make the world a better place. Great. Me too. But they're, what? but just there, but they're so, but from their point of view, though, I would, I would argue that we, you and I are in a cult, like I am in a quote unquote liberal cult. And that is that, and that they, so I get accused of being brainwashed by the cult of Soros oh and the libtards like all the time. And when they, when somebody t says that to me, I, I, I don't get angry. I go, really? That's so interesting. Tell me why. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I and, thought I knew what brainwashing was, but please tell me, because I don't want to be in a cult. I, I want to think for myself. I know you want to think for yourself too, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, cause these these issues have, I mean, they have grave effects now. Like we, well, I was just thinking about the coronavirus that people were willing to die for their belief systems that were irrational belief systems. So like you said, there, there does need to be some regulation on all this, or perhaps more people need to understand. Like I remember you say that, you know, the, some of the mainstream media shares these stories about let's talk even CPAC, Victor Orban, but they're not explaining what the tactics that these leaders are using on the followers. And so it's a self perpetuating cycle of, uh, the, the, the cult grows larger. And I, I just heard about, I was listening to your podcast about the fourth generation warfare. Good. I'm glad you uh, brought that up because I was going to say that um, people need to understand we're living in the midst of a world war. Uh, Russia is a major player in this with the cult of Trump. I, in fact, I put Putin at the top of chapter seven of the puppeteers uh, over over Trump. And I actually did an interview with uh, Yuri Schwetz and Craig Unger. Uh, Yuri is a former KGB official who was way higher up in the KGB than Putin, came to the US when the Soviet Union, and he said, oh, we recruited Trump decades ago. He said, there's no way any American businessman came to Russia and wasn't, you know, set up with beautiful prostitutes and videotaped to, you know, then blackmail them. Blackmail. Like, this is, they call it Compromat with a capital K, right? But the point, the point, I want to come back to the whole notion of fourth generation warfare is an assault on reality. It's to confuse people, disorient people, to delegitimize experts, to delegitimize science, to delegitimize institutions like the government. And education. Um, and, and in the brainwashing model, this falls under what's called unfreezing a person to ready them for indoctrination and refreezing the cult identity. So if you want to mind control someone, confuse them. You can overload them. You can put out disinformation like COVID isn't real. It's a hoax mm -hmm. or like the, the KGB was putting out the HIV was created by the CIA in a lab. Yeah. 
<laughs> no basis of reality. No. But they want, but they wanted people to distrust the government and to distrust the deep state. That's right. Right. And I'm not a big fan of the deep state. And there are people who do black ops and like my former cult was one of those entities. And that's a whole nother discussion about the evolution of the Moonies. But what people need to understand is things are not normal and they're not going to be normal until we can get a hold of what's happening to us. Mm-hmm. And as long as we're not sleeping seven to nine hours a night, unplugging from our platforms for at least a few hours a day, having real friendships, doing real work, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we don't get grounded in our bodies and if we don't claim an internal locus of control for our decisions and we're looking outside for someone to tell us what to think or what to do, mm-hmm. danger, danger. But it's fixable, but not without correct diagnosis of what's wrong. And what's so curious to me that the Cult of Trump book came out in 2019, and it was largely censored by the mainstream media until January 6th, because I had actually predicted in the book that if he wasn't reelected in 2020, there would be violence. (laughs) <laughs> and people who had read the book said, how did you know? I'm like, because I've studied cults for 45 years <laughs> and malignant narcissists are pretty predictable. And I quoted Jim Jones when the when it was up for him, he ordered the assassination of Ryan and everybody else. Wow. Right? So, but the point is, is now I'm hearing cult of Trump, cult of Trump by politicians and media but why aren't they having a cult expert on TV explaining what that actually means and how to protect yourself? And because it would be too, like it's too psychologically. Well, not my. I believe they that we need to have more. Well, that's why I'm doing this podcast, by the way. But to the deeper conversations about the the bigger themes that are going on in society. Uh, Perhaps if you, you know, they put you on the media and they tell you about this story, people don't have to watch the media anymore. They're like, oh, I see what's happening. You know why? Part of the media is doing some of the tactics that you are talking about. Now, now I'm not calling them as evil as, you know, this is not like the state-run TVs that we, we right. see in Hungary or Russia or China, but they are engaging as well in a sort of tactic of keep you on the Ferris wheel. You got it. And then plugging you with, with uh, big pharma medicine ads. <laughs> exactly so, and that sounds and that already and that's unethical like, in europe by the way in europe they're not the media is not allowed to to directly market to people to tell their doctors i want to try this medication because we you know this yeah. is about making money over what's healthy for people and we have way too many people using medications in our country. And we have way too many people who are overweight in our country because they're watching all these incredible ads about all this incredible food that's sprayed with glossy, you know, yeah. uh, gel to make <laughs> it really sparkle. And you might, ooh, I'm hungry now. I want that food. So the the the, the whole system of we need growth, we need to make more money. Mm-hmm. needs to we need a reboot on yes we need to make money but we need to survive like we need a planet to exist yeah we need to come back to values like how much money does a person actually need in their lifetime right. at the point that they have 30 billion dollars <laughs> why and and they are lobbying our politicians not to be taxed on the money they earn out of interest on the billions of dollars. That makes no sense. And back to like, what do we do about it? I want to get to their children. I want to get to the people who are around the billionaires who can say, daddy, mommy, like, why is this sustainable for the planet? And I I just want to touch upon, you you just brought up an interesting point about well, and like what I was saying about the media, and you even said there are some there are some truths to what Donald Trump 
and not just him, but but a lot of these authoritarian style cult leaders do is they do speak truth about, you know, the media does have some sort of an agenda, the deep state, quote unquote, the establishment. Yes, they, they do engage in some some um, Machiavellian tactics. And so that's why it's very hard to, to, to overcome this this disinformation crisis is because a lot of what they're they're targeting is there is some truth. To what all of these cold it's leaders, al- it's always leaders. there's always some kernels of truth otherwise people wouldn't take it seriously however i do want to state categorically that if you're following good journalistic standards you don't print something that isn't verified right and you usually need two sources or three sources before you write something and then if it's found out that you got something wrong, you have to apologize and correct. So if you look at media sources, the ones that are more ethical will do that. They will have standards and procedures to to keep people on the uh, truthful end of things. Mm-hmm. Not that they isn't they aren't co-opted by storytelling themselves. Um, but then there's the Alex Jones, and by the way, he's in the news right now. Yeah. I wrote in the cult of Trump that he was putting out Russian propaganda for years. He had really? over 1,000 stories of propaganda from RT that he put out, and then Breitbart put it out, then Fox put it out, and then the mainstream media put it out saying, look at how crazy these people are. But they were still amplifying the ideas. The messages. Right? So, and so the, the what I'm trying to convey is we need checks and balances. We need to have um, an ethics person in the White House. You correct. know, we need to have uh, regulations so that bad criminal people don't take advantage of everyone else and sell you toothpaste that has cyanide in it yeah. because they can make some extra money or hydroxychloroquine. Right. But, uh, right. but on that, if there is no, let's assume there will be no uh, regulation, at least before, you know, upcoming elections, then is it not incumbent upon the quote unquote good people to begin advertising just like the cult leaders advertise or just like the church blasts out the same article like don't maybe perhaps the good people need to adapt some of these you know neuro-linguistic programming uh tactics to combat this disinformation or we're just going to lose out because they're louder and they're well i don't agree with the you need fire to fight fire argument and Mm -hmm. i i was uh arguing with lincoln project people i've been Mm -hmm. on their podcast a few times i think it's a very bad strategy for for people to fund far-right candidates just because they think they may be better uh, equipped to beat them in November. Like, wrong. And you're sending the wrong message about ethics. You're saying, oh, yeah, we should do what they're doing. We should play dirty because we have to win. And I just... I really want to lift up humanity Mm -hmm. and I want to educate people and uh, the thing is, is repetition is how we learn. But if something's untrue, but you hear it over and over and over again, and you hear it from different authority figures that you would expect would know the difference, it's going to have a very bad effect on you, right? But if you're yeah. telling the truth, like yeah. Donald Trump is a malignant narcissist who told over 35,000 documented lies, and you say it over and over again, that's not unethical in my opinion. That's just no. calling calling a spade a spade or whatever the right analogy is. Yeah, they, they, that, I think that's a very important point. Yeah, it's like how to remain ethical, but in this new era that social media, you, you have to play some sort of marketing game, which involves some of these nefarious tactics to, to get across a good message. Well, so let's go back to messaging, okay? Because I know you care and you want to see democracy uh, survive. Um, I think the January 6th committee were absolutely brilliant in using Trump insiders to expose Trump. 
Yeah. Uh, and and so it wasn't Democrats, for the most part, no. saying anything bad. Let the story be told by the people who are in the room, who mm -hmm. know him best, etc. And I really think that more former Trump um, activists need to be empowered and their messaging has to go out. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I was interviewed in a, for a documentary. It was in 2019. Uh, the woman had read The Cult of Trump and she had Joe Walsh. She had David Weissman, who is a self-proclaimed MAGA troll. Uh, who who got deprogrammed by Sarah Silverman on Twitter? Former, former Trump supporter. Yeah, massive. He he called himself a troll for Trump. Wow. Uh, Batya Goldberg, who is a big Republican Party young person, mm -hmm. uh, Christians who had supported Trump, yeah. farmers who had, and they're all speaking out why they don't think he's good anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, but that documentary never got picked up, never, they don't, I, and to this day, I don't think they have a, a, a distributor. And, but this, everyone should be watching this. And this, this is the kind of voices we want to amplify is hearing from people who are like, yep, I wish I could go back in time and make a different vote. I am not happy with the way the country is going. And, and just about the, 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 the event of January 6th, to me, that would have signified, uh, look like, like even if we could just talk about your quickly, how you ended up in the hospital. And I think that probably triggered some sort of, right, come to come to present moment. Does it? Maybe well, it did in the sense that I was sleeping and I was only sleeping three sleeping. to four hours a night as a Mooney and I was away from the constant indoctrination because there were no cell phones in 1976, right? And so just be, turning off the media for a week, people will start coming back to themselves and that's who you want to talk to. Yeah. So I tell people, you know, make a deal and go on a fast of media or go out in the woods on a hike and agree to leave your phones at home. And uh, people start coming back to reality. That's right. And but it just so no, but no sort of experience is what I'm trying to say. Like if a Donald Trump were to be arrested or if one of them were to be arrested, it's like, does that reinforce the the idea that, oh, they're out to get me or 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 will that make them realize like a near death experience of some sort can shatter the self into coming back to. So the answer is it depends. Yeah. And um, like I thought when some of these ministers of these cultic groups and the media has mischaracterized a lot of Trump's base as white evangelical Christians, they're in something called new apostolic reformation groups, which is not traditional Christianity at all. But, um, oh, dash, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying just uh, before? Um, NPA churches that the media miscategorizes them as being so, evangelicals. Right. So the, the thing is, is understanding people were, were oh, I remember now. So when, when one of these ministers who claims to be an apostle, who claims to, or a prophet and claims to have been told by God that Trump should be, uh, uh, is the president and the election was stolen and COVID is a hoax and that minister dies of COVID and especially the ones that are in the ICU saying, Oh, it's real. I, I, I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand why Christians weren't approaching the members at that moment with the video of their leader <laughs> to say, there really is science. There really is a virus. It's not a hoax. He died. Yeah. Well, you this, know? yeah. Well, the so like there are these, there are these windows of opportunity to intervene oh. that, there's no strategy for how to th understand what needs to be done that will be effective for different oh. people. Like I was thinking um, with the election in November, why couldn't we take 
uh, video clips of everyone who testified in January 6th, you know, William Barr, uh, Comey, Cassidy, his own daughter. Yeah. A lot of these, a lot of believers never saw any of that testimony. I mean, if you're going house to house and you're meeting a Trump believer and you're friendly and you're warm and you ask, by the way, I'm curious, did you happen to hear Cassidy Hutchinson's words on the hill? Mm -hmm. uh, no, who's that? Can I show you a clip for a minute? Yeah. You, know, you whip out your iPad or your iPhone or, you know, your, your Android. I don't want to be uh, advertising for Apple. But <laughs> the point is, is why not offer the person something that might right. make them curious to find out what else they're missing by tuning into Fox? Wow. Yeah. So there you're talking about the, the window of opportunity, which which does arise, which is very very hard to capitalize on, but that's where someone like right now, there is a, would you say there's a window of opportunity right now or is the religious? It's huge. That's a huge, we have no choice. We have a midterm in November. We have to, we have to mobilize everybody mm -hmm. who cares, but to do things that are going to help and not hurt. So the simplest, easiest thing is if you have, if anyone's listening to this and you have a family member or a friend that you haven't talked to in a year or two because they got into the cult of Trump, contact them and say, hey, how are you? Been thinking about you, miss yeah. you, want you back in my life. Can we get together? Don't start with, are you, do you understand Trump is a demagogue? and he's wrong <laughs> and he did a coup and that's not gonna work it'd Definitely. be like build rapport reconnect and well, and have that attitude of hey dude if you're what you believe is true and what i believe is lies then i need to change my beliefs like <laughs> let's talk you share something that was significant to you i'll share something that's significant to me and let's watch it and talk to each other about it and mm -hmm. pursue truth. I, I I couldn't agree more. I wish maybe it's possible. We got it's to really have more empathy for for them. And but that then that makes me sound like I'm looking down upon them, which I don't want to do. But at the end of the day, you, you've got to <laughs> you, you've got. Well, in my opinion, people who are in a cult, an authoritarian cult, have a man-made mental illness. Yeah. Wow. So you're not you're not looking down on them. You're just like, damn, just like COVID is a virus. So think of it as a mind virus that yeah. someone that you care about has. But there's a cure. Like, wouldn't you want to be patient and and help the person and nurse them back to health? Yes, I and think so. The problem is a lot of people give up because this, you know, they had that barrage mm -hmm. and they got frustrated and they felt traumatized by trying to talk rationally and they gave up because they didn't know actually people do wake up and leave these things. Yeah, a man-made mental illness. So that in the, on the other token, I mean, you can cure, you can overcome these things without, you know, just, just through working through them. You don't have to- And look them. at it, people are born into cults and they leave. Right. Like, so. Yeah, how does that happen? Well, it's because people don't like to be lied to. They don't like to be exploited. They don't like to be abused. They're hearing prophecies that don't come true, like Trump was supposed to win in 2020, and he didn't. No. There's no evidence that he did. No. Period. And yeah, and hopefully we'll... 61 uh... lawsuits. They lost 60. They lost them all. <laughs> Chris Krebs, who was put in place by Trump, said it was the most uh, secure election in history. Mm -hmm. Barr said it's bullshit. Like he actually called it bullshit to yeah. Trump in his report. So, gee whiz, William Barr, the attorney general, said to Donald Trump it was bullshit that, that the election was stolen. What do you think of that? Yeah. I'm just curious. And then they, but then they turn to church where you, like you said, I, and then maybe I'll just close on this final, this, there's something greater going on here than just a political movement. 
But there is a religious movement in America that is very hard to identify because it's it's ideological. So are these ideas that, you know, in the cult of Trump or in freedom of mind or in your influence continuum podcast, are the it's not to call religion a cult, but are these lead are some leaders using religion for for the to advance these political or perhaps evil malicious agendas and so there's a lot of people who left church or they left their synagogues, but they still consider themselves spiritual. They still consider themselves to be agnostic, right? So it the issue really isn't, you know, cults. The issue is authoritarian cults where your human rights are being taken away and you're getting a you're becoming a clone of some other person or some other ideology and i really do believe that if something is legitimate it will stand up to scrutiny and there are 30 to 40 million americans who are in these new apostolic reformation churches look it up n-a-r new apostolic reformation i wrote about it in the cult of trump and these are not mainstream christians these are christians who think that they need to take over the government for god they think that america was a christian nation and it wasn't it was explicitly to no. separate church and state right yeah. but they've been programmed in that belief system and the the bottom line is is you don't want to throw the baby out with the water uh with the bath water you don't want to say all oh, religion is a cult and mm -hmm. is a mind control thing because it's not um right. and the, the bottom line is, do we have values? Do we want to be treated with respect? Do we want, do we believe people have a right to an education? Do we believe people have a right to medical treatment, uh, etc.? Et and if you have those values, do something about it. And that's why I do the podcast. I do a blog. I've written books. I do, I'm doing a course right now. Uh, for mental health professionals, because they haven't a clue how to work with people who've been mm -hmm. in mind control cults as a generalization. So I'm trying to do what I can do to, to keep putting the information out and mobilizing people. And I'm really happy you reached out to me. And, um, you know, I hope people who are listening to this, if they say, damn, I want to get involved, get involved, learn, start by learning. <laughs> And, and, sh and talking to family and friends about the fact that we really do know what undue influence is and how to tell. You know, look at the behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotion control. If you're with a group where you were lied to at the beginning, red bells should be going off in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you are told, don't listen to ex-members or critics, don't watch that other TV show, don't read that book bells should be going off this is information control <laughs> i'm an intelligent educated person mm -hmm. i should be able to look at that book or listen to that and decide for myself if there's facts or not in it right don't let someone else or some other group decide for you wow well red flags are certainly ringing right now at least in america uh for for those of you guys who are listening pay attention and Stephen, thank you very much for sharing all of that. And guys, check out his check out his podcast, The Influence Continuum, and read The Cult of Trump. These are eye-opening, eye-opening experiences that I think you'll look at the world in a different way. So Stephen, yeah. thanks. thanks so much. And check out my blogs for that matter. And I'm inviting you. I have some on transcendental meditation that wow. you might be interested in learning more about. I might be, or I and might then be. Then you can too. join the I got out hashtag. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I got. And, oh, I got man. out. I may yeah. be. Too, I may be too traumatized to meditate ever again. But maybe I'll need some more meditation. But I would say to you, because I'm a therapist, if you liked meditating, there are a thousand other ways to meditate that have nothing to do with a bogus Maharishi who is sexually abusing women. You know, and it was saying you have to you have to become invisible and walk through f walls and levitate, none of which ever happened. 
<laughs> no one. Right? No, never did. Duh. Well, namaste to that. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about uncovering the truth by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, I will continue to uncover the truth. The Uncovering the Truth theme song was created and produced by Pokari.